Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Hi, I'm Miranda Wright, and this is Day 71 of our 120-day Upper Room prayer campaign and today we're going to pray for the patience to wait upon the Lord. We've talked in previous podcasts about how the Bible says that we are given the full armor of God that we might be able to stand and withstand and having done all to stand to stand against the wiles of the enemy that we may possess the land because when God puts us in a land he expects us to possess it, to maintain the position of which we have been commissioned in it until the promise is given to it. Because Jesus made it very clear that he will have no pleasure in those who draw back. In other words, those who fail to maintain the position that he calls them to. One of the ways that we fail to maintain that position and possess the land is when we grow weary in well-doing and we begin to give in, we give up, we get out of position, we stop possessing. Sometimes we get anxious and we begin to move ahead of God's timing and take things into our own hands. And in this are all manner of complications and errors and wickedness set in motion in our impatience to wait for the Lord to bring the promise to pass. Because the reason that he calls us to possess a position is because that he is orchestrating and preparing and tying up all of the loose ends so that when the promise steps in, it will step into perfection. And we will be able to maintain that which we have been given. The Israelites walked out of Egypt, but they didn't walk right into the promised land. There was a season, there was a wilderness season that they had to go through before they got to the promise. Because though the Israelites had gotten out of Egypt, they had not gotten all of Egypt out of them. And so in the wilderness, there was a preparing. There was a circumcision of the heart taking place so that they would be pure and able to walk into the promise without taking the world into it and mixing it and compromising and polluting it. God wants to bring forth a perfect and a pure work, but in order for that to happen, we've got to learn to have patience while he sets the stages and stop trying to make them ourselves and run out on them alone. Because in this are we left with nothing but performances and entertainments, but no power or anointing or promise or holy visitation. In Psalms 27 verse 13 it says, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait upon the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. We've been talking a lot recently about producing those peaceable fruits of righteousness, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. One of those fruits is patience. One of them is faith. One of them is humility. Of course, we understand that we've got to trust God. We talked about bearing that friendship and being a good friend of God, moving in a true love for God and for others. And all of these things are proven to be present in the one who waits upon the Lord. 
You know, we recognize the Ten Commandments and we understand that we should not have any other God before us, that we should not worship a God of our own creating, that we should not murder, we should not steal, we should not covet or commit adultery or any of these other things that we list in the Ten Commandments. We understand that they are a moral law and morality is not conditional. It is based from the foundation of creation upon the very precepts of the Creator. Therefore, are they unchanging? Yet there is one Ten Commandment that we no longer seem to keep. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. That is the commandment that says to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Now we understand that in the Old Testament, the Sabbath was given as a commitment, as a covenant, as a promise that one day a week on the Sabbath, all of God's people would put everything else aside and put him first and come and abide in his presence to get connected to him, to hear from him, to make seeking him a priority for the entire day. It was also a time to rest and be able to press into the presence of God because when we are very weary or busy with the business of this life, we began to stray from the commitment of being a good and faithful bride. Now in the New Testament, we're told that Jesus becomes our Sabbath so that we are still required to keep this commandment, just not in the same way that it was in the Old Testament, in the same manner that Jesus is now our sacrifice. So we still have a sacrifice, though it may not be the same as it was in the Old Testament. So Jesus now is our Sabbath because that through Jesus, through the washing and cleansing of his blood, we are able to receive the infilling of his Holy Spirit. We are no longer required to go to the temple before the priest in order to make that connection with God. We can do it daily, but that doesn't negate the responsibility to maintain it. In actuality, it takes away any excuse that we may have for not maintaining it. And that we should still have a time set aside to spend with God, to rest and to press in to his presence to talk with him, to commune with him, to visit with him and to wait upon the Lord until he steps in and begins to bring revelation and direction and clarity and correction and whatever it is that he wants to communicate to us that we might be counted a good friend of God. There are many times, my friend, when I need to sit and get an answer from the Lord and I may have to wait upon him all day in prayer before the clarity of what he is revealing to me comes out in the fullness. I have to sit and be taught by him. And I understand that most people cannot do this regularly, but we need to set aside at least one day a week to spend some time with the King. We spend that time in prayer every day and that devotion every day, and that is needed. We are to pray without ceasing. We're to pray even while we're working. We're to pray continually. But there still needs to be that time that we commit to Him to sit and wait upon the Lord because it is in the waiting that we are truly strengthened because it's where the revelation comes. It's where the visitation comes. It's where the importation comes. It's where the anointing comes. It's where destiny begins and confusion ends. But what we want to pray today about is not just this type of waiting because this is only where it starts. There is another waiting that is made very clear throughout scripture that each person who is truly going to be used by God has to grab hold of 
has to begin cultivating because all of the mightiest moves in the Bible came to and through those who were willing to wait upon the Lord, not just to wait upon him in an instance of prayer, but to wait upon him over time in faith while God prepared them to walk out the greater things that would go down in history. Because my friend, God's got a big story for you and it's not going to happen in two or three days. It's going to happen in big and impossible ways. And that's going to take some waiting because faith is proven because that you have determined to believe that though you cannot see it, the Holy Spirit is moving in the waiting. You know, there was an instance when the Israelites were moving towards the promised land. And of course, the congregation had fallen into sin and they had grieved the Holy Spirit and God had removed himself from the congregation. He actually left from the tabernacle within the congregation because that he was so offended by the things that they had continued to walk in. And so Moses, in order to meet with God, had to go outside of the congregation and he went and he built himself a prayer room and he sat there and he waited upon the Lord and he visited and he communed with God and God told him, go, I gave a promise, I'll get them to the promised land, just go, but I don't want to have anything else to do with them. And Moses said, unless you go, I will not go. I'm going to sit here and wait on you. And if all of this people go on before me and I have to be separated from the entire congregation that I have been suffering to maintain, then so be it. But I'm going to be where my king is. This is one of the reasons that Moses was counted such a good friend of God because friends stick together. And he was not willing to move on to promise or to position or to pump or to platform. He was willing to give it all up in order to just be there with God himself, not just to experience the presence or the promises, but to experience God because that he loved God more than what he could get from God. And this was proven by his willingness to wait upon the Lord. He said, I'm staying here as long as you're here. I'm not moving without you because my heart is truly for you and I love you and I'm going to wait on you. And of course, this touched God's heart so that he continued to press on with them. See, in the waiting, it proved that Moses's heart was more for God than for what he could get from God. This was the main difference between Saul and David. We understand that Saul and David both sinned against God, yet was David's sin forgiven and Saul's was not. The difference was, was that when God sent the prophet with the word of the Lord to Saul, Saul stood in his pride and denied his wrong and then justified his wrong and tried to make excuses for disobeying and breaking God's heart. It wasn't until the prophet professed the decree of the Lord that for this sin and rebellion and his unwillingness to accept responsibility for it and repent of it, that Saul was going to lose the kingdom. And only in this did he begin to cry out and to weep and to wail and to repent and to ask the prophet to pray on his behalf that God might relent, but not David. When David sinned, as soon as the word of the Lord from the prophet came to him and pointed out how much he had grieved the Holy Spirit and that he had broken God's heart, there was no justification. There was no pouting. There was no denying. 
David fell on his face and began to cry out and to repent before the Lord because that he recognized that he had broken God's heart. It didn't matter if he lost the kingdom. It mattered that he was going to lose his king. You see, our society today is so material-based. It's so right now, what can I get in my life? It doesn't focus on the generations. It doesn't focus on what God is trying to build in the waiting. That it causes people to step out of God's will and timing to start creating things of their own making. It pushes this impulsive, get it done right now mentality as something good when in actuality it is far from it. For the most part, it's usually rooted in a trust of oneself, pride, arrogance, and impatience. Now, I'm not talking about laziness here, because when the Lord speaks, we are to obey. But there are those who just refuse to wait to hear what God has to say so that we know what to obey. Real faith seeks and waits. And until this is learned, you can never go any higher than the base of the mountain. Because the entire congregation of Israel, they came to the base of the mountain, but only Moses was called up to the top. The congregation experienced a little bit of the presence at the base of the mountain, but only Moses experienced God at the top because that Moses was willing to wait upon the Lord. And for it was he counted a friend of God because that God knew his heart was truly for him and not just looking for something from him. You know, God is trying to prepare us, to train us, and to equip us for the mission that he has for us. But I want you to think about this. When you are training a dog, the very first thing it has to learn is to sit and to stay. Until they have learned this, you cannot teach them anything else. There are dogs that do great things for humanity. There are dogs that service the disabled. There are dogs who rescue those in distress. There are dogs who guard. There are dogs who shepherd. There are dogs who hunt. There are dogs that are able to be trained to do such amazing things. Yet does it have to start with the simple command of sit and stay because until they have learned how to do this, they can't go any farther because anything else you try to teach them will only eventually hurt them because that if they begin to get off track, You can't call them back and make them wait. If we cannot learn to sit and stay and wait upon the Lord, he cannot teach us any more than that. Because if he begins to pour out gifts or talents or callings and commissions, but we start to get out of position, then he won't be able to call us back on track because we never learned how to sit and stay and wait so that he can properly train us or correct us or redirect us. Waiting upon the Lord is one of the greatest virtues that a Christian can truly learn if they want to be used mightily for the kingdom. And if they want to live a life of legacy that will affect many generations. And we can see this play out throughout all of scripture. Abraham was promised a son. But from the time that he received the promise until the time that he received that promise was 25 years in the waiting. And he had to keep his faith throughout all of it. And the word of God says that he believed God and kept that faith. And that it was counted unto him for righteousness so that he was called a friend of God. The word says that he never wavered from believing God and waiting on him to show up with that promise. My friend, just because God promised you something and it didn't manifest immediately 
doesn't mean that it wasn't going to be. But God was waiting to see if you were really seeking him or what you could get from him. Because if it was only about the promise, you're going to give up when he doesn't deliver it to you when you want it. But if it's about him, you're going to wait on him. Even when it comes to the point where it doesn't seem like you're ever going to get it. Because you love him. And you believe him. And you're willing to say, Lord, yet though you slay me, still will I serve you. It's not about what I get from you. It's about you. It's about serving you. It's about loving you. It's about ministering to your needs and trusting that you will take care of me. That all your promises are yes and amen to those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who remain in believing in his words who stay in position. That position of faith in his faithfulness. Abraham never doubted that the promise was coming. He waited on it. And this is what Jesus expects from the church. That she wait on him. The church, the bride of Christ, is expected to wait in faith upon the Lord. Because in the waiting is her love truly proven. And her faithfulness to him. We did the podcast early on about the bride of Christ and how it was parallel to Rebecca waiting at the well. He wants to find the bride waiting, expecting that groom to come. Jesus said that we need to live every day with the expectation that he could return this day. Because if we truly love him, if we're truly faithful to him, we will manifest that faithful anticipation in the waiting, knowing that our groom is coming because he said he was. And in doing so, do we prove our love? And trust in him. There is no greater love than what is expressed by someone who is willing to wait on you. And to be faithful to you in the waiting. It proves that our heart is truly for him. Not for just blessings and gifts and positions. But to be a good friend to him. To be faithful. To want him to show forth with our lives. That we have determined that he is the gift. That he is the greatest blessing. That there is no greater position than to be found waiting upon the Lord. Now when we look at Abraham and recognize that he was willing to wait this 25 years for the Lord to fulfill this promise of the son. We have to see also what happens when we take matters into our own hands because Sarah stepped in and she decided that the promise wasn't coming quick enough so she was going to make it happen and she tried to provide a son with the works of her hands out of her servant Hagar and of course we know how that ended there are still repercussions to that sin and all the destruction that it brought in to this day my friend God's promises will never come to fruition through us taking matters into our own hands. That is how you get out of position. If you try to get ahead of God and make promises happen, you're only going to delay it further and bring about a lot of pain, heartache, and trouble for yourself and for others in the process. Don't do what Sarah did. Don't try to make it happen. Don't take it into your own hands. Don't start getting your own ideas about how we're going to make this happen. You get on your knees. You wait upon the Lord until he leads. And until that time comes, you just love him. Because if he's not sending you, he's not going before you or with you, and it will not end well for you. 
I've heard evangelist Nathan Morris say before that some were called, some were sent, and some just grabbed the mic and went. And my friend, I tell you, this is very true, and this is also how we get doctrines of demons and unholy allegiances. We need to learn how to set time aside to sit and wait upon the Lord. Because, you know, there's a verse in the Old Testament that says that a certain king, he did evil in the sight of the Lord because that he set not his heart to seek the Lord. If we don't set aside time to seek and to wait for God to speak before we move and take actions, then we will by default do what is evil because we can't see the big picture. We can't see how this will affect the generations. So we've got to humble ourselves before the king, seek his face, see what he has to say, and not move until he tells us to. We see this in the story of Eli, where God kept giving him instruction, but he didn't think it was a very big deal, so he didn't heed it. He moved under his own leading, and it affected the entire nation of Israel, and it affected his family for generations. Compromise leads to curses, generational curses because what you set in motion by your decisions will affect people for generations whether you realize it or not we have such a limited scope of vision but God sees the end from the beginning and we need to learn how to humble ourselves and trust him because there's a reason for everything that he says so we've got to follow his leading and if he hasn't said it yet don't do it set that time aside to seek his face and wait upon the Lord and if he has already given you a promise or a destination and you're not there yet, don't do like Sarah and try to make it happen. You set that time aside to pray and to seek the Lord and to wait until he tells you something. Because those who wait upon the Lord, the Lord shall renew their strength. He will give you encouragement. He will give you new direction. He will give you confirmation. He will strengthen you in the praying to continue waiting. And to maintain your position. David was promised the kingship. He was still a child when the oil was poured upon him. And the word of the Lord was spoken over him. Yet did he not move directly into kingship. In fact, he went right back out into the wilderness to guard over his father's sheep. There was a period of waiting between that point and his facing of Goliath. And even once he had faced Goliath, we might think, well, now things are going to happen. Now God is moving. Look how God used him. He's going to walk right into that promise. But no, my friend, he went right in to another season of waiting. Where he was running for his very life. He had been given a promise from the Lord God Almighty that he would be king. And now he's living in caves. And I can tell you from experience, my friend, that many times when God gives you a promise or a destination, it will look like everything turns in the opposite direction. And things will get harder and harder and more and more impossible. David seemed to be getting closer to the promise. He went from the pasture to the palace. But in the palace where it looked like it might even be within reach, he's cast back out into the wilderness and is running for his life from the very man who logic would tell you would have to position him. But David didn't get impatient. David learned how to cry unto the Lord and hear God in the waiting. And even during the waiting in this season when Saul was trying to kill David, did God deliver Saul into David's hands several times? And David had the chance to take the promise by force, but chose to show forth humility 
and faith by waiting. He didn't kill Saul when he had the opportunity. He didn't take the promise by force. He said, I'm going to put this in the hands of the Lord because I don't want to have blood on my hands. I want to do it the way God says to do it so that he can get glory from it and so that generations can learn from it. I'm going to trust with all humility and faith that even if I lay this promise on the altar and choose to wait, that God will give it back to me. Even when the promise dies, God is able to bring it back to life. This is why Abraham had the faith to lay his son on the altar, the son of promise, saying that his faith was unwavered, knowing that if God had promised it, he was going to bring it about. Even if he had to raise it from the dead to do it, he was fully persuaded, and so was David, that even if he handed this promise right back, God was going to do it. And in doing that, was it going to be assured that it was done the right way by the hand of the Lord? And that no one would ever be able to say that David took this by force. But it was God's will. He was God's choice. He heard God's voice and waited for the promise to come forth. David went from living in caves and running for his life to being positioned in the palace personally by the Lord God Almighty because he waited. And in this does Isaiah 49, 23 say, For they shall not be ashamed that wait on me, says the Lord. David humbled himself and trusted in his king. And because of it, in his waiting, David never chased after a crown, but the crown continually chased after David. See, the word of God says that we ought to humble ourselves and that God will exalt us in due time. God has a purpose, a timing, a season, and a reason for all of it. We've just got to keep believing and trusting him and loving him until the promise steps in. So keep waiting in faith. Don't try to make it happen or take it by force or you'll delay it at best and forfeit it at worst. Because God must humble the abase like Saul. Jesus said that we ought to always take the low seat. And wait for God himself to exalt us. Because if we choose to take a high seat ourselves, then eventually he will have to come in and humble us and many will see us fall from it. My friend, I commit to choose to take the low seat and to be satisfied with ministering to my king and worshiping him and seeking his face and spending time with him. And trusting in him to know what's best in every season so that only if he desires to exalt me will I be and I will know fully that it was his will for me and that it will bring him glory. Let us have a heart that is willing to wait upon the Lord and to continue to worship him in the waiting. My friend, I have all faith for the things that the Lord has personally promised me. And I have found that it was in these seasons of long waiting that I truly learned how to wait on him daily. How to press in and connect and commune with him. To have him come and sit with me. And teach me and strengthen me in my times of need. 
so that what he poured into me in these times of intimacy, I was able to pour out on others in true ministry so that there was never a need for skill or talent or prestige or entertainment or even education because that I had the anointing, which was only just an overflow of what he was pouring on me in prayer and intercession and praising in the time that I had to spend in the waiting. Because there are two types of ministry in scripture. Those who minister to the people and those who minister unto the Lord. And those who minister unto the Lord is the greater ministry. And we may talk about this more in coming days. Because there is more grace, which is power poured out on those who humble themselves to, to come and seek the face of God in the waiting. My friend, I want you to understand this, that we've got to lay down our busy schedules and commit to sit and wait upon the Lord because he doesn't always come immediately. He comes for those who really need him and who really mean it and are really desperate enough to be committed to wait on him. Because when we think that we have it in us, when we think that our skill can do it, when we think that our logic is enough to figure it out when we think that our strength is enough to get the job done we're not going to wait on him we're going to just go get busy and make something happen but it will not be of the Lord but when we come before and broken and poor and destitute and desperate we know we need him that we can achieve it and we will wait until he comes in and we won't move until he sins and only those ever get a true visitation that changes things for generations it's how you become a man or woman of legacy. By learning to work generationally, by getting greater revelation and instruction in the waiting. My friend, learn to allow God to cultivate the fruit of patience in you so that he can truly use you for the greater things. In Isaiah chapter 40 verse 28, it says, Has thou not known... Has thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the heavens and the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching the depths of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that hath no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. My friend, I assure you that if you come to that place where you are willing to wait upon the Lord, he will give you new vision. He will give you the direction to get repositioned. He will give you the encouragement that you need to have strength for the mission. He will renew your strength, but we've got to learn to come back to that commandment that we've been lacking in, that, that commandment to honor the Sabbath, to walk in the principle or the precepts of God that says you've got to spend some time of rest in the presence of the Lord, seeking him and being revealed and refreshed by him so that he can redirect you, so that he can clear up all of the confusion that the spirit of error has spoken to you. So that he can give you the next step that he expects for you to do. So that you do not grow weary laboring in vain. In things that he's never called you to do. And that have no bearing on the mission at hand. My friend, we've got to come back to the commandment of rest 
and seeking the presence of God and taking the time to wait upon the Lord while we seek his presence and his words. Because he will always speak. He just will not always do it immediately. You know, Joseph had a dream that all of his family would bow down to him and that he would be a mighty ruler one day. And he was a child when he had this dream estimated maybe about 17. But yet from the time that the promise was given that he would have this mighty position and all would come before him, he was then cast into a pit by his own family. How is his family ever going to bow before him when now they are trying to kill him? The promise just got impossible. And then they come and they sell him into slavery and take him away into a foreign land. Now he's not even anywhere near his family. It's getting more and more impossible. And then he's placed into a position where he's beginning to gain some favor and things are starting to look up. And maybe he's got a little glimpse of hope that the promise could maybe one day come about in just a different way than what he expected. But now he's accused with false accusations and thrown into a prison. The promise just died, my friend. He's got to wait for God to resurrect this. And of course, we know the story that God works miraculous things together eventually to accomplish the promise that he gave him that he did put him in position second only to Pharaoh and all of the land of Egypt and his family did come and bow before him and he was able to save them but he was probably in his 30s by about the time this happened so between the age of 17 to sometime in his 30s there was a long period of waiting and keeping the faith but you see my friend there's a reason for the seasons that God brings us through because we could see that in all of the trial and tribulation that he went through there were a few things happening there was training there was preparing and there was positioning in the waiting because first he was made ruler over a man's household and he learned how to rule over a house and to lead others this man was wealthy he had many possessions and servants and Joseph was positioned for a learning to learn how to lead others and then after that was he thrown into the prison but then even in the prison he was given a position of leadership so that he was still learning things he was being trained to be put into leadership in the lowliest of places he was learning in the wilderness how to possess his promise once he entered into it and being cultivated to produce the peaceable fruits of humility and patience and faith through the waiting so that he would possess it properly. So that in the end, once God had stepped in to fulfill the promise in impossible ways, and his family came to bow before him and they pleaded for their life, knowing that they had tried to kill him, he was able to say to them with all forgiveness that what you meant to harm me, God meant to prepare me and position me to save many people alive because that God was working through him to do a greater work that would have effects for generations so that there was no contentment or offense against them because in everything that had happened, there was a reason for the season and positioning for the promise that he had been commissioned so that Joseph had no offense for those who had part 
and bringing him to this. And I can say, my friend, that in the waiting for the things that God has promised me, many people have come against me with, with attack. And I can honestly say that there is no place in my heart of offense. And in fact, I can honestly say that I am grateful for it because many of the things that I am teaching to you today and over the last many days has been from the things that were learned in the lessons that I went through in those seasons. That had I not been willing to wait upon the Lord, I would have skipped, got ahead of his timing and been overtaken by the enemy if I had allowed him to deposition me. You see, my friend, there have been many opportunities in my life for big stages and big ministries and big churches and conferences and things that God said, no, no, it's not time. And now I am very grateful that I obeyed him, though at the time it didn't make any sense. I understand now that there were so many lessons that were not learned that the enemy would have been able to distract, disrupt, or destroy the plans of God for me had I gotten out of position trying to make things happen ahead of God's timing. So we always have to come to that place where we're willing to get on our face before the Lord and pray and seek him and see what he has to say. And when he says, wait, my friend, you must obey or there will be consequences. The tree will break under the weight of its own fruit. Because when you plant a young tree, it will bear fruit immediately, but you've got to pluck that fruit off for a couple of seasons because the tree is not strong enough to bear the weight of the fruit that it is producing. And when the enemy, like the fowls of the air, come in to land on that tree to start attacking the fruit of it, it's going to break. The tree won't be able to bear the weight and it will break. That tree will break and it will never bear the fruit that it was meant to bear or be able to grow to the stature that it was meant to grow to because that it didn't wait for its season of fruitfulness. We've got to have faith to seek the Lord, walk in his ways and wait for his best because his best is yet to come and it is worth the wait. You see, Moses had a little bit of an experience like this because Moses got a revelation of who he was and who, and what God had called him to be. But immediately he thought it was going to happen. And so he stepped out and took matters into his own hands. And he ended up killing a man because he knew that he was called to be a deliverer of the Israelites. And so he went to deliver an Israelite out of the hand of a slave master. And he killed the slave master trying to defend this Israelite. And then the Israelite turned against him. And then they went and ratted him out. And the whole time he's saying, why don't y'all understand that I'm supposed to be your deliverer? So we know that he understood the calling that God had placed on his life, but he didn't understand the waiting just yet. And because he stepped out of his timing, it caused the enemy to rise up against him and he ended up with blood on his hands. So did God drive him out into a wilderness. And Moses had to spend 40 years in his own wilderness tending to his father-in-law's sheep because this is where he met his wife whose father was a shepherd and so Moses then spent 40 years in this wilderness sitting alone in this desert place with these sheep becoming a shepherd over a flock of animals while God cultivated the fruits of meekness in him before he finally sent him back to lead God's flock through their wilderness because you see when Moses first got the promise and tried to move on it in his own leading. He was prideful. He was arrogant. He was assumptuous. He was impulsive. And he was destructive. But after having to wait upon the Lord for 40 years. And learning how to hear from him and be led by him. 
he came back to lead this people out into their own wilderness with the ability to fully and clearly hear the Lord and follow his instruction and leading so that the word of God says that he was the meekest man in all the earth. That's how much waiting upon the Lord will change you. It is in the waiting that the fruit is cultivated. Moses grew to love and to truly trust God. And because of that, he waited on him and God favored him as a friend for it. In Exodus 24, verse 13, we read an encounter, just one of these instances of Moses waiting upon the Lord. And I want to show you the power of this. It says, and Moses rose up early and his minister, Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. And he said unto the elders, tarry ye here for us until we come again unto you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any man have any matter to do, let him come unto them. And Moses went up into the mountain and a cloud covered the mountain and the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai and the cloud. This is the glory cloud of God. It covered it six days and the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud and the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of all the children of Israel and Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount and Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights you see my friend as Moses waited on God the people waited on Moses Though the glory of God was known to reside upon this particular mountain, God did not reveal himself to Moses immediately upon his arrival. For six days straight, Moses waited on God there in a place of reverence, worship, and prayer. And on the seventh day, God spoke and Moses entered in. You see, most of us would have simply seen or experienced the existence of the presence of the cloud and then spent the rest of our lives talking about it. Oh, the glory of God fell like a cloud on that mountain that day. You should have been there. I was there. It was something. We talk about revivals. We talk about amazing moves of God like this. Oh, I was there. I saw the glory fall. You should have been there, but not Moses. He was less concerned with beholding the cloud and more concerned about meeting with and hearing from the God of the cloud face to face. Moses was not so impressed with the prestige of claiming to have experienced the presence of the glory of God. He was more impressed with God himself. He was less in love with God's power than he was with God. He wasn't seeking a show. He was seeking to be shown. And therefore, did he wait patiently for six days for God to show up and speak to him? Not just the glory cloud, not just the presence, but God himself, the word. Because in the beginning was the word and the word was God. Therefore, Moses waited for that word. And when he finally heard the word, he went knowing that God had shown up. How many times have we come to that place where we know the presence of God resides? That place of personal worship and prayer. We sit there and behold the glory. We know that God inhabits the praises of his people. So we sit and wait for him there. Well, for a few minutes anyway. Then our mind wanders, we get distracted, we pull back into the thoughts, things, and chores of the world and wonder why God never showed up for us, the many, like he does for the few. We sing the songs, we wait upon you, but we will rarely wait longer than it takes to sing the words of the song. 
Moses waited six days. Let that sink in. Moses, one of the closest men to God in all of human history, waited six days. Who do you think you are that you would expect God to serve you with less? We can rarely wait 60 minutes in desperation and hunger for God, much less six days. If you want a real encounter with God, find your mountaintop. Get alone in the presence of his glory and wait for him. He may not come immediately, but if you desire him enough to wait, he will surely come. Pray, praise, worship, and wait. In this do we minister to God that he might show up to minister to us. Because you see, even as the people waited on Moses, so Moses waited on God because no man, not even Moses, is worthy to minister to others until God has first ministered to him. So stop talking about the cloud, the glory, the thing you saw afar off, but was never truly called into because you would not wait on God and start seeking him who created the cloud and manifested the glory. See, all of the Israelites, they were called into the promise, but they would not even wait for Moses to come down off the mountain with the word of God before they started creating their own service and God. God chose Moses because that Moses chose to wait on God until he heard a word from the word and then obeyed that word. You see, my friend, it's in this do we see why many are called, but only a few are chosen. So choose to start waiting on the word. Because when he himself becomes more important to you than either his power or even his glory, then will he come to truly invite you into it where there is more than goosebumps and manifestations. There is conversation and revelation. So my friend today, I implore you to learn to be faithful enough to wait upon the Lord or you'll never get past the point of talking about what you've seen to the point where you can talk about who you've seen. You see, my friend, many times people will come far and wide to feel the presence of the glory of God. But all they're really feeling is the outpouring of the visitation upon the man of God who has spent his time waiting upon the word of God. There are those few who are willing to commit and sit and wait upon the Lord until he comes in because that they love him and they love being with him and having conversation with him, communing, fellowshipping, visiting with him. And because he comes to them, because he now calls them friend, the congregation gets the overflow and feels the presence of it, but they never get to truly experience the visitation. They never get to truly press in because they're not willing to wait on him my friend any person can experience this any person can come into this and this is what it takes i'm giving you the key today because until this happens you have no place ministering to others you have nothing to give them because you have not received it from him this is why jesus told the disciples that he had a plan for them he had a calling and a commission but don't step out in it in your own strength don't just go and try to achieve it don't get ahead of my timing wait until you have been endowed with power from on high. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus literally tells them that it is not your place to know God's timing. It's your place to wait for it. So they did. They did what Moses did. 
they climbed up to that upper room and they started praying and waiting for one day, for two days, for three days. Oh, should we stop now? No, keep praying for four days, for five days, for six days. Should we stop now? It's been six days. No, Moses went seven days. Keep waiting for seven days. And on the seventh day of continual praying and waiting upon the Lord, all of a sudden, there came the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And it was as cloven tongues of fire that fell upon each one of them, just like fire fell upon the mountain. It was seven days for Moses. It was seven days in the upper room. It was seven days of praying and waiting upon the Lord before the fire fell. My friend, are you willing to wait more than seven minutes? My friend, how desperate are you to get a visitation from him? I am willing to press in. I am all committed. Lord, you give strength to those who have been made weak when we are willing to seek your face humbly and pray. Because David said in Psalms 27, 13, that he would have fainted unless he had faith to believe in the goodness of God so that he would wait upon the Lord. And in his waiting, you came and brought courage and strength to his heart because that he waited. And you said, wait upon the Lord. I say, wait upon your Lord. Strength is coming. Wait upon the Lord. Hope is coming. Wait upon the Lord. Salvation is coming. Wait upon the Lord. Deliverance is coming. Wait upon the Lord. Don't give up at the sixth hour. Don't give up at the sixth day. Don't give up. Had the sixth minute, have the faith and the patience to wait upon the Lord. Because when you do, victory is assured and he will come in suddenly with a mighty rushing wind and everything will change. He will strengthen you in the waiting. He will grow patience in the waiting. You will prove your faith in the waiting. You will prove your love in the waiting because it's only those who wait upon the Lord that he knows truly have his heart. The rest just want something from his hands. God, I want you, not a stage, not a performance, not a position, not entitlement, not blessings and not giftings. I want you, not even just your presence, because sometimes that's just about the emotion and the goosebumps and how it makes me feel. God, I am not here to be ministered to. I am here today to minister to you, to love you, to worship you, to praise you, and to express my faith to you to let you know that you are worth every minute of waiting that I sit with eager anticipation because my heart is fully for you. It's fully set on you and whatever you want to do, I'm grateful for my Lord because I know that when you step in, you will pour in, you will minister to me and then I will have something to carry down the mountain to the congregation. Otherwise, it's all just faking. Father, we don't want to go through the motions. We don't want to step out of timing. We're going to trust your faithfulness that you have given a word. You will make a way and we're going to love you and praise you until the day that your promise steps in and does what no man can. We're going to stay in position and praise you in faith, being fully persuaded that that which you have spoken, you are able to accomplish. And we're going to wait on you to do it and not try to force you to move. 
We're not going to put your presence on a cart and drag it around to where we want it to go, to do what we want it to do. We're going to wait under the weight of your glory and press through until we get a word from you. Because I'm not just satisfied with glory. I'm waiting for the king of glory. I'm not okay with just the overflow from somebody else's encounter. I sit and wait and pray until I encounter you personally. Oh God, wake the people up to see that they don't have to depend on somebody else's visitation. You are willing to step in if we are willing to praise you and wait on you and take the time in holy dedication to start setting aside that time for personal visitation. Because when you come, everything changes. One moment in your presence changes everything. It's in your presence that we are pruned, that we are changed, that we get the revelation, that we get your promises, and that we are strengthened to endure for them. Because your word says that only those who endure till the end shall be saved. And if we're not willing to seek your face, to hear your word that we may choose to have faith in it because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Unless we get the word, we can't truly have faith. Then we're going to move out of position. We're going to move out of faith. We're going to get out of your timing. We're going to go where you're not leading and there's no anointing to meet us there. God, today I pray that you bring such clear revelation through this word. That it changes people and their generations. That you will birth people of legacy today. Because that you will be able to do a greater work through them. Because that they will be willing to wait on you. To do more than what they can accomplish today. But what you through them will lead them to accomplish. In impossible ways. To set the stage for generational change. God bring up a people. Of legacy, who will start like Abraham did by bending the knee, saying, Lord, visit me, speak to me, strengthen me, and give me patience to wait to see you do the greater things that I can't do myself, but by faith you will do through me and for me and for my children and my children's children. And for generations to come to be influenced by the things that you have done. Because that I was not limited by my vision and what I could see around me that seemed to make sense to me. That needed to be done in the moment. But that I had faith to follow you into the greater things. Even though I couldn't see where you were leading me or why you were calling me to do things or not do things. But by faith I obeyed, I followed you in blind faith to that place of revelation and legacy. That many generations after me might see your glory because that I was willing to bend the knee. Say, Lord, I need you to lead me, to speak to me. And I'm going to move in patience and faith and wait until you show up to do it. And until you move to prove it and bring it about. In a way that leaves no room for doubt that this was a work of God and not of man or of mammon or of our hands. Because I want generations to be able to say, 
only God could do this. Because when we do things that are so weak and limited, because we have done them by our own leading, by the work of our own hands, it causes other men to look and say that this God is fake. But my God is not. And I want all to be able to say that her God is real. Because look at the impossible promises that he was able to fulfill. Because that I am willing to wait for you to do it your way. I won't take it by force. And I won't lose faith when it dies. I will humble my pride. Get on my knees. And cry to the king. Until you step in. And bring it to life again. So that you get glory. In the end. And leave me with a story. Worth telling. For generations. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.